This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. Russian equities are coming back into focus slowly, and although the index has been flat for several years now, the individual names, some of them have done extremely well. At the same time, Russian equities are playing the highest dividend yields in the world of some 7%, twice the MSCI emerging marks average. That means there's opportunity, but following the 2008 crisis and then the sanctions period, the big international houses are scaling back and have been cutting their research. At the same time, the iconic names from the 90s, most of them have either been sold to a state bank or are a shadow of their former selves. BCS Global Markets thinks there's an opportunity there. It's been beefing up its research and at the same time expanding its client base with offices in London and New York. The market may be smaller, but there's even fewer players, so there's plenty of money to go around. I sat down with Kirill Chukov, who's the new head of research at BCS, uh, to talk about the issues. One of the most interesting things to come out of the conversation was that because Russian oligarchs have nowhere to invest because of the uncertainty, all they can do is share their excess cash with investors in the form of dividends. Kirill, so before we begin, give me your background. What exactly is it that you do here? Yeah, I'm the head of research. Uh, we do uh, both equity and fixed income products. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been uh, with the BCS Global Markets for more than six years. We have built a very strong team in the past several years, including, of course, the past half a year when we got uh, uh, five very strong and talented analysts joining us, uh, which should help us to get into the leading positions in the uh, research market. We have a very strong product in metals and mining, which is um, one of the best in the EMEA space. Eastern Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Last year it was number one. This year we got uh, number two ranking mm-hmm. on individual on individual basis. Uh, the new hires uh, should help us um, uh, to build a very strong franchise mm-hmm. in uh, all sectors. And there's been some changes in addition to the expansion of the team, um, thanks to the partnership with Tigris, which is this American uh, outfit. You, you're now delivering U.S. research to Russian investors, is that right? Yes, so the, that's what we plan to do. The, we want to diversify our product into different markets. Uh, so we started covering um, CIS this year. Of course, there are not so many companies as we have in Russia, but still our expertise right now uh, is getting expanded uh, outside of Russia. So which countries in particular? Uh, we for, first started with Ukraine and now we, we are planning to cover uh, Kazakhstan, Georgia and uh, thereafter the plan is also to start covering fixed income uh, um, instruments um, in the countries like uh, Belarus or uh, Azerbaijan. Is there much uh, to write about then? It's not a huge market. Of course, most of the liquidity is in Russia. But of course, uh, also there are lots of clients who want to diversify their exposure as well. And those markets are uh, very undercovered uh, by the institutional research. 
so that's where we can add value to our clients who need that coverage. So we have expertise in the related markets like um, metals and mining. Uh, we, we have a, a big company in Ukraine, Fair Expo, a big yeah. company in Kazakhstan called Kaz Minerals. Uh, and uh, given that we know the the fundamentals of the mining space, expanding uh, that knowledge into the nearby markets uh, is not very big additional resource for, for us. That's very interesting because BNE is actually doing the same thing um, and with the same argument and particularly the fixed income um, that this is how you can get exposure because there hasn't been that many IPOs of companies. Oh, Fair Export is a, an excellent example because that mm -hmm. is listed mm -hmm. in London. Um, but the whole Ukrainian market, you've got a handful of names, MHP, Alcatz, mm -hmm. uh, Fair Export. However, they are listed stocks. Um, mm -hmm. But they're listed either in London or in Poland, mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. And you're going to cover those companies listed in, in Warsaw as well? Yes, of course. I think that that's uh, the plan because uh, the uh, the question about the location of the listing is actually not that important. And to what extent is this connected to the fact that the countries you mentioned mm -hmm. are all about to be or already uh, hooked into Clearstream? They have this sort of Clearstream light formula mm -hmm. which allows a trader sitting in his desk in mm -hmm. London to directly trade, settle both the, the bonds and the equity of these in, in uh, I think it's Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Belarus, and Georgia is already mm -hmm. online, isn't it? Um, I think that the, this is going to be a good cherry on top of the pie, but the interest among our clients is uh, first of all driven by the fundamental attractiveness of a specific company. Of course, if the uh, if trading can be uh, facilitated by the changes uh, in the procedures or regulations, of course, uh, this helps, right? But uh, we've we've seen lots of interest in. Uh, uh, companies from Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Georgia in the past as well. Uh, so our uh, approach to pick those countries were based on the available liquidity. If uh, our research can be uh, of value uh, to clients. The crises that we've had and the politics kind of distracted everybody. But we saw, particularly after 2008, there was a general trend where investors were increasingly looking at frontier markets as opposed to what Russia is classed as an emerging market. And Russia is less and less an emerging market as it emerges. But is this part of a general trend from sophisticated international investors getting deeper into frontier markets, mainly because the returns are so high, if you get that right? I think that the, I wouldn't say that the returns are really extremely high because uh, if you look at the companies, those companies have very solid fundamentals and very good liquidity like Ferexpo, like Cas Minerals, they enjoy healthy margins uh, comparable to the ones uh, we can see in Russia. They have uh, healthy liquidity, so there is no problem with investors buying a big stake there or selling. Or I would say that the problems are similar to investing in the Russian company. Of course, if you look in, at banks, uh, it might be a different story or at uh, um, some other production assets uh, like MHP, right? Of course, it, some, a big part will depend on the local story of the country in general. Uh, but exporters, they are actually not that bad. So I wouldn't call uh, the sectors which we are expanding into like classic frontier markets. So the risk to return is not that far away from the Russian market. 
Okay. And you mentioned the banks. I mean, there's some very interesting banks like Harik in, uh, in Kazakhstan. You, you're going to be covering those too? Yeah, our plan is to expand, yeah, to expand to, into Georgia, to cover Georgian banks and uh, um, Halik as well. Of course, uh, we have a very strong demand for the uh, uh, investment ideas in the developed markets. Because, uh, of course, uh, uh, the volatility right now and risks in the emerging markets is, uh, are extreme, right? Uh, so, therefore, lots of clients are actually looking for exposure to uh, global stories. Uh, and uh, that's where our cooperation with Tigris is likely to cover that need as well. Because we are not comfortable with our expertise in the States. And, of course, uh, to build that expertise would require an enormous uh, investment. Uh, time, money, and, uh, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but and to the, be clear, Tigris, um, the US-based, this is a recent deal, and uh, they already have very strong US um, coverage research, don't they? Yes, they, they have a relatively unique business model. They have uh, one lead analyst who, is, um, who has... Uh, some models, including quantitative, which allows him to cover like 80 plus stocks. Uh, but uh, that uh, model, uh, it's actually proved to be very efficient. Uh, he, uh, his uh, hit ratio is actually one of the highest in the States. We want to make our research responsible. In other words, we have clear portfolios. We open trade ideas, we close them. We close even um, uh, the worst of the trade ideas. We had uh, very poor calls, but on average, we have some products which generate um, up to 85% hit ratio. In other words, in some products, 85% um, uh, of our recommendations generated a profit of 10% return in US dollars or more. So that's huge. And uh, that's what we want to build on um, uh, looking at the uh, strategy of our department. Um, and your clients, to be clear, on the products that you're offering, who are they? Are they mainly Russian clients? Actually, I would say that they're mainly international. Right. So, uh, where, the, are they based? where are they from? They are spread all over the world, the Western world, of course. Uh, we have uh, a very strong client base in London, of course. We are heavily present in Scandinavia, uh, continental Europe as well. We're expanding right now into the United States. We have the office in the United in the United States as well. Uh, so I think that most of the time that we spend with clients are uh, international clients. They are the same like uh, BlackRock, Fidelity, uh, the, the same big guys. Surely there's like a huge crowd of broker dealers um, available there. Why would they come to the Russian or is the Russian part of it not relevant? Most of this crowd is dead. Right. Uh, it's, uh, this makes uh, the competition relatively easy. Of course, we would prefer the market to be much healthier with a much stronger competition. Uh, but uh, uh, like that's what we have. Like the market is shrinking, but there are also the, so we have like a much smaller pie right now for everybody. But um, sorry, and there's a smaller pie as a function. This was like Tim was explaining this to me. It was mm -hmm. post 2008 that because of the risks that the, the, the big broker-dealers, they tended to just accumulate the, the big clients in order to reduce risk. And then that made a hole in the middle of the market where the mid-sized 
have collapsed or gone out of business, and they, this is the niche that you're moving into, isn't it? I think that this this might be a different angle. So what Tim was saying, this is uh, more about probably risks, right? Uh, but what we have seen in the in the on the research side, uh, uh, big uh, brokers, um, international brokers, they can no longer justify having a separate research in Moscow. Uh, of course, the flow uh, which brokers get from clients it has uh, went down substantially, right? Uh, and um, the um, number of course on the number of analysts uh, and the number of sales which uh, work in a conjunction, of course. Uh, it, it was too high a couple of years ago. Right now, lots of uh, um, uh, bulk breakers uh, uh, shut down their arms in Moscow, started to cover uh, the, the Russian space out from London. But that's uh, a very good environment for the local brokers. Because we are local people, right? We and we um, have a better understanding of the mechanics of the Russian markets, including the politics, which is very important. Uh, sometimes foreigners get completely stressed out by some weird comments by the Russian politicians, and uh, they tend to be willing to run away. Uh, but it's also very important to have uh, somebody who can um, uh, interpret the news, and uh, especially those. Who Whose interpretation in the past uh, was successful? That's what we're. That's the niche what we uh, that we are planning to keep. So, of your business, um, as we know, the Russian market is huge and extremely liquid. I mean, doesn't that make up the bulk of the trading ideas and the bulk of the actual investment into fixed income and, and equity? The market's a big, deep, yeah. liquid market yeah. with a wide variety of companies. So you can mm -hmm. bet on agro, you can bet on metals and mining, oil and gas, mm -hmm. uh, retail, as you like. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that attract most of the interest from the clients? Isn't that the bulk of what you do? Yes, we like the uh, of course the um, volumes in the Russian market. They are a billion dollars a day. Mm. It's huge. Um, the Russian market is not going to die. Of course, even if the Russian market falls by 50%, that half a billion dollars uh, in a daily turnover, it's still somebody needs to manage it. So there will still be a job for us uh, or for somebody like us. Um, and uh, the, the Russian market is actually very unique. Uh, I'm not, uh, it's not that I'm answering your question directly, but let me put it in a different way. Let me ask the question myself and answer it. I like to, to, to talk to myself. Maybe it's age, but we will see. Um, uh, the, uh, the Russian market, I wouldn't call it uh, an emerging market because th this is uh, probably a big theme for me personally. I have a different view versus maybe like most of the street. I don't call Russia an emerging market because unfortunately Russia is not really emerging from anywhere at this point. There is no uh, decoupling of Russia from oil and uh, Russia is ultimately uh, most of the, uh, uh, the economy is dependent on oil, uh, on budget, and budget is dependent on oil and on other exporters like metals and money companies unfortunately right so and uh, but uh, this from another perspective this gives russia a unique advantage because out of all so-called emerging markets russia definitely has the lowest dependence on the foreign capital so whenever foreign capital leaves uh, all other most other emerging markets they have a problem 
their profits are falling, they can get into recession. Russia, as long as oil is high, we're going to be good. And this makes Russia a safe haven. The Russian market dividend yield right now is about 7%. It's the highest in all emerging markets. And this creates a very solid foundation for hard profits for the investors in Russia. So if the Russian market halves, the dividend yield would be not 7 but would be 14%. It will be crazy money. It will be like a dollar-based dividend yield because most of the export revenues are coming from dollars. And uh, we will have a massive inflow of money coming from all sorts of other markets, assuming we have some issues with the Western money. So therefore, uh, like, uh, the downside and the risks for the Russian market, despite um, the sanctions environment, I would say that the market... Uh, tend to overestimate, investors tend to overestimate those risks. So therefore, despite the current um, high volatility, I would call Russia a safe haven. And that's what attracts investors. Investors like dividends. Investors are still looking for um, uh, gro growth, st uh, growth stories, uh, but dividends uh, and valuations, that's uh, most of what people are asking about. And the dividends are extremely good. Why is the Why are the dividends so good? I mean, it's been explained to me that companies, owners, are actually investing into their stock and to their reputation with investors by paying dividends. And also, in the old days, 90s, the way of getting cash out of a company into your pocket as an owner was through various schemes, the offshore you know, transfer pricing and what mm -hmm. have you. But that mentality has changed in the way owners pay themselves mm -hmm. now is mm -hmm. through dividends, but that also implies they're willing to share the profits with their investors, which is a new mentality. Yes, that's a, ve a very good uh, conclusion if you uh, look at the Russian market through the lenses of uh, proper corporate finance books. Right. In Russia, the reality is not because the Russian businessmen suddenly decided to share profits with somebody else. Right. Um, the dividend, the origins of the dividends uh, in Russia, most of that. Like if you look at the most paying dividend sector in Russia, which is metals and money, the origins of high dividends. This is because they, there is nowhere to invest. So they earn lots of profits because they have uh, the profitability is huge right now. Um, but uh, uh, all of them, they understand that uh, the additional investments uh, into the production facilities, they will not, they, um, those production facilities, they will be uh, ramped up like three or four years from now. Three or four years from now, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Who knew three years from now that we will be uh, enjoying the U.S. president with the name of Donald Trump, right? Uh, so things change dramatically. Uh, China turns on, turns off stimulus very rapidly sometimes. Uh, China also shuts down uh, the heating facilities which cause global shortage of steel and coal unexpectedly. Who knew that that China will start caring about people two years ago? But uh, after the 19th um, uh, People's Congress uh, last year, uh, two years ago, sorry, like a year and a half, uh, they started uh, um, uh, shutting down uh, the steel mills. It was a year ago, I'm sorry. I'm just... Friday.
so uh, things change very very quickly so therefore like uh, on top like imagine you you being a Russian oligarch um, you would have uh, the uncertainty about the markets the uncertainty about the funding mm. uh, the uncertainty to some extent about uh, uh, the politi- politics risks right mm. also uh, being a Russian metal mining oligarch for instance you would have problems with uh, re- potential risks that your exported products because you would be naturally a net exporter. Mm-hmm. And that those experts will not reach the market because right now the competition with the Chinese uh, is high and there are all sorts of trade barriers uh, imposed like from Europe, from the United States of America. Other markets are not also not very happy with lots of steel coming from China and Russia, for instance. Mm-hmm. So there are all sorts of, like it's like a perfect storm right now. It's like all sorts of risks, despite the fact that they are earning crazy money right now, there is nowhere to invest. I would say that most of the Russian investments, for instance, by the metals and mining industry, is uh, uh, was loss making. Mm-hmm. Most of the investments uh, brought only losses, huge, multi-billion dollar losses. So the Russian business, uh, the, the for instance, in metals and mining, as we're using this as an example, um, uh, they don't see any value opportunities in Russia mm. on a big scale that would kill the the cash flow uh, sufficiently enough to stop dividends, and they don't want uh, any uh, Western exposure because all of them lost the money probably only. One company earned money in the metals and mining abroad. This is Norilsk Nickel, which uh, got 20% stake in gold fields uh, like a long, long time ago. Thank you very much for taking yes. the time to talk. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah.